of a five-year-old Indian boy named Saru. Saru is going to work with his older brother when the two of them get separated. Desperate to find his brother, Saru searches all night long. Exhausted, he finally falls asleep on an out-of-service rail car on a train. By the time he wakes up, the train has been traveling for several hours. Saru finds himself a thousand miles from his home in central India, lost on the dangerous streets of Calcutta. The first half of the movie is Saru's mesmerizing and terrifying odyssey through poverty, hungry, hunger, and abuse. Though small and vulnerable, he's smart, he's resourceful. Saru manages to survive the unimaginable danger and cruelty of the city of Calcutta. But a return home to his mother and his brother and his sister is not to be. Saru eventually is adopted by a loving and a generous couple from Australia. And so the second half of the film takes place 20 years later. Saru has now grown into a handsome, loving, and talented young man who's off to Melbourne to begin a career in hotel management. A seemingly well-adjusted young professional, he doesn't give his Indian past a second thought. But one day, one day, Saru comes across the familiar smell of an Indian sweet that he loved as a child. And suddenly, his mind begins to be filled with memories of being a five-year-old in India. Suddenly, he's reduced to tears. His cool, professional mind suddenly begins to crack and crashes as his memories all come rushing back. The new technology at that time of Google Earth raises the possibility of finding his first home with his mom, his brother, and his little sister. Saru tries to stitch together the few details of those years that he can somehow remember on his computer and on sheets of paper that he tacks up on his bedroom wall. He tries to retrace his journey from India to Australia. It's not a fast or an easy process. And the effort takes an emotional toll on him, on his adoptive parents, and on his girlfriend. But the story, of course, has the ex expected happy ending, but not without disappointment, and in all truth, not without much anguish. Saru discovers the big missing piece in his life and comes to understand not only where he came, but whom he came from. See, today's gospel story is completely about a journey as well. Jesus, 
Peter, James, and John make their way up the mountain. After their climb, exhausted and weary, the three disciples behold Jesus in his divinity, a divinity that is the very source of his teaching, the divinity which is the source of all of his healings. Like Peter and his companions on the mountain, like Saru in his search for his first home and for his family, each one of us here throughout our life's experience have truly experienced those moments of transfiguration. When we come to a new understanding of who we are and we come to an understanding of the grace and the love that has made us who we are. Seeing our own experiences of climbing and searching, whether that might be through Google Earth or at our parents' knee, each of us comes to discover our own connection to the extraordinary love between God the Father and the Son, between prophecy and fulfillment, between spirit and flesh. See, in the lens, you might say, of our lives, it's God's light that's always illuminating our way, illuminating Jesus to be with us as we make our way up through our own Calcuttas, up into our own moments of transfiguration. Archbishop Desmond Tutu called transfiguration and the feast that we celebrate calls it a feast for all of us because you and I have all been called to be agents of transfiguration. Each of us has been called to be the means for others to realize the goodness and the beauty between them and within them. That's the Lenten journey, is it not? To go to a deep place within ourselves to discover where it is that we find ourselves now, where it is that we've come from. And in all truth, it's in that rediscovery of who have been those agents of transfiguration along the way. Who have been those people who have helped us to see and to believe and to trust and to hope. That's our Lenten journey. Just before Mass, Emily came out into the gathering space, as she has probably since she's been about three, always enjoying to be with her family. but always a little bit of an independent streak. But one of my favorite things, when they were usually in the front row as they are tonight, was that Emily's pride was usually when she was sitting on Daddy's lap through Mass. My guess is it was Daddy's pride, too. 
So tonight in the gathering space after a big hug, I asked Emily if she would sit on Daddy's lap during Mass today. Oh, she just looked at me and laughed, of course, because she's in fifth grade now, and you're not supposed to do those kind of things when you're in fifth grade. But it reminded me that every time we were in this church and every time I looked at the pew, which was usually the one they're in now, or the second pew, I always knew where it was that Emily came from. And I always knew those who would be the agents of transfiguration through the years of her growth. And I see her now and I still know and I still believe where she comes from, who it is who has loved her, and whose love will bring her to wherever God calls her to be. <laughs> 